This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, hey guys, uh, welcome to the next episode of this last ball show that we have here on Talking Tennis. It turns out that it's actually going to be Vansh and me again, so the same squad as yesterday. We did so well that John decided that it's time to, you know, for us to do it again. He actually thought that uh, we were exceptional and, you know, uh, figured he has to invite us again. Uh, so we are here and um, yeah, let's let's just get down to business and have a, let's, let's start from this thought that I had today because it's the same like it's the same thing like yesterday. I am looking at the women's event and there's like been no classics, no big stories and I think that's actually not um an accident. I think this is because of the best of free format. I think it just sucks, you know. <laughs> there are so many men's matches that I know I will remember from this event and on the women's side it's just so hard to find anything and i and i actually think that if they were four setters five setters they would they would have been much more compelling at the same time i also get the you know what people are saying that like no one watches a best of five sets match from start to finish basically but um yeah i, I really feel like if some of these matches just felt more grandiose to you know compared to uh compared to just regular to level events regular matches that we watch every single week i think they would have been more compelling actually yeah i certainly had that thought in many majors i mean not just this one uh particularly a lot of finals in the past i, f- I figured man if this was best of five i mean how would this play out you have so much more um you know interest that you can really build up and you can really, you know, it's a win-win sort of for everyone. But uh, the question is, like, do the players want it, you know? That's what I'm not sure about. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to know, like, do the do all the top players, like, would they be willing to do this? And how would it sort of work scheduling-wise? Because in terms of the product, I fully agree. Like, um, if the women's event at least had a few rounds that were best of five, you know, it would certainly help, I think. Because, like, looking at, the, looking at these matches today, like, you're kind of right. I mean, there's just... Like, there's no real, like, you know, interesting moment so far, at least in the last two two days on the women's side. Uh, that might change later, but it seems like 
that's that's kind of how it's been. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a few like compelling matches that obviously like we talked about Mukova Sakari yesterday. Um, maybe a couple more t- today that were interesting, but it's not uh, it's not, not nothing super grandiose yet. Uh, but but I kind of wonder what if they started these events like like what if they did three days for the first round and the second round, and maybe like as a trial run we did best of five. Um, you first, mean, but, uh, but but then uh, when would the event start? When would the event start? Probably the Friday, right before. But I don't know how that would yeah, impact the like exactly that kind of directs the events that. of the previous week, right? So that that that's a problem that yeah. I have in my mind. Um, John says that the stats research group suggests that best of unless three they was just more... don't have any oh, events. I can just put it on the screen. Fair. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but um that uh, best of three was more captivating for the audience uh, i i get that like i get short attention span i frankly have an extremely short attention yeah. span like i i basically have to be watching like two things at the same time right now like i'm not satisfied i don't know watching one tennis match and sitting down it, it there has to be some youtube there has to be another tennis match there has to be something else that i'm doing so i totally get all of that but if we're thinking of like the best matches of all time if we're thinking of the classics it's always five setters maybe four setters you know but best of five matches and um as much as i i definitely get the fact that no one is really watching like a five setter from start to finish maybe in some extreme cases you know tennis nerds like us will but at the same time you're also probably going to be switching between matches or something but at the same time this yeah. produces the best stories for sure and um yeah, yeah I, I just well, feel like I mean, that's, that's why is... maybe mm-hmm. i think it cut you off at least on my screen yeah i think yeah. you 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 went away for a bit yeah, I think it was you actually, but uh, I'm I think not sure. I might even have as well. I think we were both just sort of cutting off. Maybe. Um, John also says something about yeah, sixteen, seventeen is is really going to be hard to make it with, uh, with the other events. You know, before that, I think the players wouldn't yeah. be happy if there weren't any two fifties in the week prior to a slam. Uh, that's probably not great. And uh, yeah, if someone is playing like a challenger before. Uh, before um, a Grand Slam, then he's probably not playing a Grand Slam main draw most of the time. Uh, so I think that maybe isn't um, isn't a problem. But yeah, just not having any 250s a week before the Slam, not having any way to get much practice for players who are already in the main draw, I don't think that's really good. But starting Sunday, that's mm-hmm. something all the Slams should be doing, like 100%. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, the I'm, French mm-hmm. Sunday start for sure. It's, I've really come around to it in years. All right, congrats, John. Um, well done. Anyway, uh, let's get to the. Where do you want to start? Because last time we talked about the women's event first. I guess since we've said that it's like yeah. a little less compelling, we can go there first as well, and then uh, then just stick around with the men's. Uh-huh. Um, I guess that will be fine. Um, so yeah, what was what was the main yeah. deal today? What was the the story of the of the day on the women's side? Uh, I mean, you had a match with Ostapenko hitting forty four winners, forty four unforced errors. <laughs> I don't know if that's the main story, but uh, she had a, she had this insane comeback from five one down in the second set. 
and then just did what Astapenko does. Um, uh, I, oh, yeah, I guess I guess the main seed that we lost today was Kudermatova and Benchich. Those are the two main ones yeah. that went out today. Um, but Sunday Benchich is not too much of a surprise that she went out. Uh, she did start very, very slowly in this match. And uh, I unfortunately didn't get to see it. Like, I mean, I didn't get to see like many of the women's matches today, honestly. Um, and since a lot of them really just started way too early that I could even get a screen going um, and finished rather quickly. But uh, Benchich going out was definitely a surprise. And same with Kurumitova, obviously. Um, she was in good form. Semis of Madrid and Rome and certainly had a good chance to go deep here. Um, but kind of didn't play well today. So that that's probably the big the two biggest surprises. I, and I guess Petra Kovitova going out is not that much of a surprise either, but the 10th seed. We are funny, we actually had the 10th seed going out in both the ATP and the WTA today. Because uh, um, Felix on the ATP side. Felix, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean I, I, I definitely um get that all of these players went out, but like neither was really a big favorite to do anything, right? Maybe Kudermetova after a solid Madrid role. Yeah, I think she was probably um, probably the most likely for me to get to the quarters. I would say because she's in that sort of she's in that golf section, which I felt like you know she probably was the favorite in. But in yeah, terms but of that's why event, I, I had Mira Andreeva. That's why I, that's why I, that's why I have Mira Andreeva in the quarters because uh, she yeah, has a great skill set no, to be golf. Yeah, yeah, like if she pulls through Kalinina, I will feel very confident actually. And of course, now that Kudermetova mm-hmm. is not in the tournament, maybe it is not. Maybe that is, it is like easy for me to say that, but. You know, she. I just never figured her as a threat, really. Anyway, um, Kudermetova. I know she did well in Madrid and Rome. It's just that whenever she runs into like the first, well, I won't, I don't want to say decent, but like the first opponent of like real quality, uh, the first top opponent, the first I don't know the the, the, the informed player that she meets in the semifinals, quarterfinals. She usually just looks inadequate i would say and um that's what really is like driving me away from her in terms of like any predictions most of the time uh definitely a very weak section there like right now with keys playing day and then schmidlova or bolsova zadoinov so i suppose um i suppose it should be you know keys is the main favorite to go to the forefront and yeah um, a great chance for Gov Kalinina Andrieva, and you also mentioned Kvitova. I think we talked about her yesterday. That uh, basically we have no idea what Petra Kvitova is gonna what is going to bring to yeah. the court. I think someone in the chat, maybe Ghosty, said that um, it was like you know Kvitova already had Miami this year, and that's that, that might yeah. be. It. And and it's kind of true of her, right? I mean, in the past couple of years, it's it true, has yeah. certainly looked like that for sure. Iga said in Madrid, by yeah. the way, says John that Kudermetova wasn't a great mover on clay. That's pretty hilarious, but uh, but I guess it's kind of the case. Like whenever Kudermetova plays Shontek, she's just so dismantled oh, yeah. uh, that maybe maybe Shontek doesn't really get like the full picture of Kudermetova. Even um, someone is asking about Kudermetova's trouble came from playing at night. Um, in a matchup against Schmidlova, I don't think it suits her. Uh, but then again, you would still expect someone like Kudermetova to not lose to Schmidlova three six one six, right? And also the fact that she went yeah. deep in Rome, which, um, well, of the big events on clay are the are the closest conditions to to Paris. So, I, I I don't think it's really an excuse, you know. If you hit forty unforced errors in what in uh, eighty minutes of play, you know, I I don't think you can really be excused for that. 
uh, maybe if it was a closer match, we yeah. would be we would be talking about this. Um, but I mean, I get that Kudermetov was eighth in Nick's power rankings, as John says. I remember that at the Australian Open, Jack had her in the final or something like that. She has been making people like, um, yeah, just just uh, pick her to go deep. But uh, yeah, usually when she plays like a first um, top opponent, she just crumbles, and that's why I don't really treat her seriously never which you know is kind of sad but I, I just don't think that her years like like what she did last year you know sticking around the top 10 i don't know if it's really repeatable unless you to, to actually get to the top 10 you again just need some consistent results but don't necessarily not necessarily need titles uh, and you also said um uh, i mean also the the other seats you mentioned were benchage right and who uh Um, I don't know if I can hear you, but anyway, um, Bencic, uh, Bencic, of course, she hadn't um, played since Charleston. Yeah. And, yeah, um, I mean, when you also had Pliskova losing to Stephens, uh, I oh, think yeah. we both called that one, uh, not much of a surprise. I mean, 6-0 in the first set, that doesn't reflect too well on Pliskova, but at the same time, Stephens on clay is just, uh, you know, always going to be. A, a bit of a favorite, at least for me. Uh, in this in this kind of matchup, she can really just move. She has a really good head to head against Pishkova as well, right? Yeah. Five one, right? It's five, like five, four one, one right now. Four one coming in, and now yeah, five one. Yeah. On I clay, mean, it's actually was just two and one, I think, right? But um, yeah, and I remember yeah. they played in twenty twenty one in the second round, and it was like five and one for Stephens, and that was the year that Pishkova had made the Rome final, and then later the Wimbledon final, and. It was she was sort of back to her best level, but Stephens always seems to has have her number. Um, Bencic was still off form. I don't think Bencic was ever really off form. She just was injured for a while and, and just came in and was pretty yeah. rusty. And you know, it's not like the French has been a successful event for her. Clay in general, I mean, slow clay, not Madrid, but slow clay is is just really tough for her with how flat he ta- she takes the ball how you know she likes to just take the ball early as well it's it's not that easy um semis now is the winner of jpeg versus leila mukova um i mean i i do think that mukova is a very very likely um semi-finalist um however like when it comes to golf i don't know if i if i put her already like very deep for me it's still miranda eva to the quarters Let's let's get this. Let's get this. Let's uh, let, you know. Hype train is rolling, uh, and I think that uh, indeed uh, Kudermetova losing makes it a little a little easier, even because in that fourth round she would now face someone against whom she would be favored. But of course, uh, I'm still like not um, certain. Uh, I'm still not super sold on Andreeva beating Kalinina. I think, but I am kind of sold on on her. Um, like if she beats Kalinina and Goff, on her getting to the quarters. And I think she would face Shvantek there, which would be very fun. Um, another seed I think that went out was also, um, I lost her. And th- there was another seed. That I, oh, Trevisan, but like everyone expected yeah, that Trevisan. in a way. It's pretty huge mm-hmm. for her ranking-wise. Yeah, but I would like, say it's a good know. effort for, it's a good effort for Svitolina to be all the way pretty much very close to where she was. Uh, it's basically one year off tour. And she's already won, you know, semis of the 125, lost to Stephens there, and then won the title last 
week in Strasbourg, and then now this two and two win, it just kind of solidifies that she's pretty close back to and in, back inside the top fifty. Um, and I think this is like, you know, one of her best majors. I mean, she got to the quarters here in twenty seventeen, and then she had that six three. She famously had that six three five one lead yes. over Pen. That was the closest she Hallow. got to winning a slam. I I will argue that. Yeah. I, I, I can argue that as well, yeah, because the two semifinals that she lost were blowouts. Exactly. Uh, but I think had she won the Hallop match, there was a very good chance she could have won that tournament. Yeah, th- that's that's exactly how I feel about this. She They were definitely the two main favorites. Of course, eventually Ostapenko ended up winning it. Maybe she beat Svitolina yeah. as well. It's not like, I mean, Svitolina had any real... Um, you know, options to like disrupt Ostapenko's rhythm. So maybe, maybe she actually loses anyway. But yeah, at the time, it felt definitely very meaningful. And as you, as you said, I mean, both both times she went to the to the semifinals of slams, she actually lost so easily that uh, I don't think we can really yeah. say that she was close to winning these. Whereas in 2017, it certainly felt like. Um, uh, Jesus, uh, Svitolina and um, and Halep were the two strongest players left in the field. In the end, Ostapenko won, but you know that's how it felt at the time, at least. Um, do you think Kalinina mm-hmm. is the most underrated player in whole WTA? Um, I don't know. if She's still underrated, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is she like much better? And... Yeah. Is she like much better than? Um, you know, than, than, than her ranking, I'm not really sure. Like, I think 25 is, is pretty accurate. Maybe, you know, she could be in the top 20, but still you have, uh, around her, you have players like Kim Venzheng, Potapova. I don't think she's quite there. Um, maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe someone like Vekic, you know, I don't think she's, she's really around this sort of level. So, of course, she's just had the biggest run of her career and, uh, you know, in the... Um, I kind of wonder where where she is in the WTA race. Seventeen, so yeah. Even this year with that with these six hundred points, well, it's Rome, so not six hundred, right? It would be a little less, but like five hundred something yeah. points. She is uh, in the top twenty in the WTA race, and you know that 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 can be quite accurate, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I'd also probably find some other answers for that if uh, if um, you know if if had to if I had to do it. Um, yeah, I'm glancing through the results. Of course, Kaya Kanepi did not make an upset, which was uh, quite surprising in a way. Uh, we had another one of the... We had uh, Camila Osorio uh, taking that chance that she got, which was uh, cool to see for sure. I still feel like she can go really deep in this event. You know, she's playing Mertens. This is this is really winnable to me. And uh, then Giorgio Pekula. I, I, we talked yeah. about it yesterday, but I, I don't really buy Pekula as like a favorite that needs to go super deep here so you know a forefront for Osorio is this possible for me absolutely hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Osorio has a good shot. Uh, I, I do have Pagula in my semifinals, just, you know, probability. I don't feel that conf- confident about it, though. Um, I think I had like a 
Bukova, Pegula, quarterfinal, and then Pegula just edging through. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mukova got there, if Osorio made a run, if I feel like this is also open along with the golf one. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they are strong, they can get far, but they are also in that sort of Kudermetova type of deal, right? Where um, yeah. where they are uh, very likely to go deep, usually. They are very likely to beat like opponents they have to beat, like maybe not necessarily like super strong talents, but just you know, just um, average WTA tour competition. They are they are going to beat them, but when they meet yeah. someone who's yeah just uber talented and has a good day or a top player, it usually isn't so great. So so yeah, I totally get that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm checking like um, um, probably, mm-hmm. uh, Max. Max is mentioning Wondrusova, and oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean Wondrusova is very tricky, and she's 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 almost like one of the more forgotten players, I would say. You know, having won a silver medal, been a French Open finalist, I think uh, she definitely has a good chance of going deep in this tournament too. Um, she plays Kazakina next. I think that's pretty winnable. Uh, she just beat Parks today. She was uh, down two love in the first set. I saw that, uh, but then Parks kind of made a lot of unforced errors, and Bandrusova had just a lot more variety in her game, and just ended up pulling through. But I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think we can fully rule her out because she. I, I also think um, there's some better women's round two matches coming up because you have Vondrusova, Kazakina, and that they play the winner of Stearns and Ostapenko. I think that could yeah. be a good match. Um, and then also you also have, um, in terms of other second rounds, I, I think the one I'm maybe most fascinated by is the Tossin Fernandez. Uh, that, that one is certainly has all the billings of a good match. Yeah, so I, I actually think, think that like it's not going to be tough for Vondroshova against Kasatkina. I think it's actually super easy. Vondroshova is clearly the better player for me, and uh, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but that's that's definitely how I feel. I feel that Vondroshova, if she loses yeah. before the quarters, it's probably going to be against Ostapenko rather than Kasatkina. And um, I think that when uh, Martinsova was 5-1 up in the second set, the person that like really wanted her to win t- today was Vondroshova. And that's not only because she's a Czech and they're probably friends or something, or like, at least colleagues, but that's because uh, Vondroshova can lose to Ostapenko. And I, you know, if, if Ostapenko was out of the picture, if it was Stens Martinsova in the third round, I mean, she would have had a very clear path uh, if she beats Kasatkina, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kazakina and Vodrusova both don't have the strongest second serves. So there's something, I think we're going to see a lot of breaks, a lot of long rallies. Uh, their head-to-head is 2-2. So, you know, the winner of this one, you'd probably make... I I think if Vodrusova gets through this one, I think she's more likely to get to the quarters than Kazakina is. Oh, Kasatkina but, has a terrible matchup against Ostapenko, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's awful for her. Uh, although yeah. she did beat her in the Charleston final of the year that she won Roland Garros, but oh yeah, I remember that match. Um, I, I I remember yeah. that match actually because uh, it was um yeah it was right before before Roland Garros. You're right, and I remember watching that final with yeah. my dad actually, and um I I still had like very little knowledge about um 
tennis at the time, I think. But I remember watching that final with him and I told him, look at them. Uh, you're probably going to see this matchup a lot in the, in, the, in the next years. I don't know if it's really happened. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if he's watched these matches between Kasatkina and Dostapenko since. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a pretty decent prediction for my 2017 um, tennis knowledge, I think. Uh, but yeah, a month later, yeah. she won around Garros, and I, of course, did not expect that. But yeah, Stepenko is 5-2 up in the head-to-head against Kasatkina. On clay, it's actually 2-1. Uh, this year, she lost a set to her in Rome. But of course, like it, it, it's pretty obvious that Ostapenko is gonna ha- is going to be on the front foot there. She might hit herself off the yeah. court. It's still Ostapenko, but... She has a very, very clear matchup advantage there. I actually think that she has a very clear matchup advantage against Vondroushova too. It's just that Vondroushova is better equipped to handle it somehow. If I was Vondroushova, I would be really afraid of Ostapenko because you can sometimes just come out and you know whatever you do doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, if Ostapenko is out of the picture, I would be very, very high on Vondroushova making the quarters. Like if if I had to make a prediction, as I said, I didn't really do any full draw predictions, but Vondroushova would be my quarter finalist for sure. Um, and uh, there was yeah. something in the chat. Who is Iga's potential quarterfinal opponent? It's Goff, but yeah, it's it going to be Goff. Mira Andreeva playing her in the quarterfinals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, okay. yeah. Um, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. someone is mentioning Peyton Stearns. Yeah, I don't think we can rule out Peyton Stearns yet. Uh, she's been in good form. She, her game actually impressed me quite a bit in Indian Wells when he was playing Andrescu. That was a good match. Pretty high quality from both. Um, Stearns is good, but I don't think she is beating Vondroshova. Um, Ostapenko, you know, it's possible. Um, yeah, lots of players on the tour Vondrusha, can be. Sometimes she has an awful serving day. Sometimes she just has an awful serving day and she can get overpowered. That's kind of my concern with her. Like, I'm pretty high on her generally, but mm-hmm. I don't know if some, some days she just doesn't quite have the... Um, like, the staying power against the really heavy hitters. And then she can't really like use her variety because yeah. she's hit off the court. I don't it think she will be hit off the you. court in this yeah. event. Like I don't think she will be a hand hit off the court in Paris, unless it's like uh, by a really huge hitter. So like Ostapenko, you know, that's why I'm yeah. afraid of Ostapenko. I don't think Peyton Stearns is quite in that group. Uh, you know, she has definitely has certain assets that could help her against. Um, who am I talking about? Vondroshova. But I don't think she can quite hit her off the court, you know? Even if, like, I, I don't really think the serve matters that much simply in these matches, which is also why. Um... <laughs> so you, yeah. have, you have Vondroshova in your quarters? Um, I, I didn't do. I didn't do predictions, but if I did, it would be Vondroshova for sure. Yeah. I would have had uh, Vondroshova, Muchova, and Andrieva all in the quarters. I think all, all all three of them have a very good shot to make it. All three of them to make it to, make it to the quarters. Then you can call me like you know prediction Jesus or whatever. But we'll see. Um, yeah, how how on a scale of one to ten, how shocking it would be if Iga loses in the first round? Asks Nurlan. Um, 11, 12, 13, 14. 15? <laughs> I mean, her her odds right now Cancel are basically uh, her odds right now are basically Maroshan against Alcaraz which kind of shows you how ridiculous it was in Rome because it's nowhere near as close. Um, Like it would have to be something related, I think, to some fitness issues. It's not that Buxa doesn't have like an aggressive game. It's just when when they played last, 
uh, it was just so clear that against someone with Iga's weight of shots, she cannot really dictate. And then on clay, it's going to be even tougher to handle that extreme topspin and etc. I, I don't think it's going to happen really. Um, anyway, uh, do we have anything else like about the women's um, about the women's event today? Um, Pavlyuchenkova smashed through Virtova. Oh, Garcia smashed. That was pretty good. I did not watch it, yeah. but you know that's a good story that she survived after such troubles. Um, yeah, I, I think I said managed, that, to uh-huh. managed to find her game in that third set, came through a tight first set. So I think the signs are good at least that she managed her nerves enough. She had a bit of a drop off. Uh, Wong can be very tricky. Lefty uh, hits some really good angles, and Garcia obviously misfiring on um, on several occasions in that second set. But I think uh, it's cool that she found her way through, and she's a big story at this event, number five seed, and. Hasn't had a great year so far, but um, she's certainly someone I, I enjoy watching when she's playing her, her best. Oh. Her, the style of her is, is very fun to watch. Yeah, that's like tailor-made for me. Uh, we had a talk, big talk today with Jack earlier on um, on a stream for Djokovic Kovacevic about the sort of tennis that we like watching and etc. So if, if someone was there, and I know a lot of these players, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of these players, a lot of commenters here uh, were there, so um, they, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, do you see a top 30 level in Wangxiu? Uh, Nurlan asks, definitely there there is top 30 potential in, in uh, Wangxiu. She's not Kinven Zheng, you know, but she, uh, and actually Xinyu Wang as well, I mean, they, they should be among the, um, well, the WTA landscape in the future for sure, and um, they they will keep uh, making us uh, like question everything when you have Xiovang like, and Xiovang playing on the same day, <laughs> and you're, yeah. you 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 keep asking yourself which one is it now? Um, yeah, <laughs> lefty and ready. Oh yeah, that's that's really the. Uh, well, it, when you, when I actually see them. I can definitely uh, like tell you which one this is, right? But when when they like when there are just like names on the order of play or something, I always question myself. Um, anyway, um, I guess with that maybe we could talk about the the men's drone. Uh, I mean the men's matches now. Um, um, I don't think there's like anything else really that we need to mention. Uh, we we talked yesterday about Pera being a big favorite against Kontaveit, uh, Pavlyuchenkova against Fulvirtova, you know, just doing to the check what lots of power players have been doing to her recently. Almost a double bagel in Hadat Maya Maria as well, but we also talked about this, I think, that, uh, you know, that the slice kind of sits up a lot from Maria on the clay, even yeah. if um, she won Bogota twice in a row, but that's not the same type of clay. Well, that's the same type of clay, but just the atmosphere um, is a lot different. So yeah, let's get let's get to the men's side, I suppose. And uh, there were a lot of five setters, which, as we mentioned yeah. at the beginning, it really brings out the, the excitement in a lot of these seven five setters today. So maybe which uh, which five setter was your favorite? Uh, well, I think the pair Nori one definitely was 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 a good one because, I mean, obviously you had. You had Pear just showing flashes of what made him the player he was, I guess, in sort of that 2013 to 2018 period of peak mm-hmm. Pear. Um, and then, you know, with the crowd, he was really frustrating Nori, uh, just throwing him off rhythm and just, yeah, I mean, kind of playing the kind of tennis that we thought he might bring, uh, very different from the US Open. 
where he basically had no atmosphere, nothing, no, no energy to feed on. And this time the French crowd like really played a big role, I think, in elevating him and his level. But from 4-2, uh, he was up, I think, 4-2, and then he had love 15. And from there, Nori won the next four games to take the match. And I actually thought it was a good mental effort for Nori in the last uh, four games. That's when he played some of his best tennis. But Yeah. Uh, um... Yeah, what did you think? Um, yeah, well, we we talked about it last uh, last night, right? That uh, like Per will definitely deliver in this match, and that's exactly what happened. He was just playing his best stuff. Uh, maybe a bit of a shame for him that he couldn't end it, but I think he was still holding up physically all right. He of course was hitting a lot of errors, but at the same time they were backed up with these all these insane winners. Just really reminding you what sort of talent he is, what maybe he could have been if the. You know, if, if maybe his mentality was a little different, I suppose. And if his forehand was actually a shot, uh, <laughs> I suppose. But yeah. Uh, yeah, a great match, definitely. That That's also my favorite five-setter of the day for sure. And um, e- exactly what we were hoping for. And it delivered on all cylinders, really. And um, yeah, next, next, next up for Nori is Luca Pui. And I actually think this will be just as competitive. I am kind of wondering like how... Um, just how much Pui has in his legs, you know, like how much he has left in the tank. Um, he played three matches in the qualies, of course, which were, you know, a few days ago already. So it's not like he should be tired by like u- the usual standards. But let's remember that this is a guy who has been on and off injured for the past three years or so and also hasn't had a run in forever. So that's why I am sort of just questioning that. But if he actually uh, plays like he did in the first four matches, especially, uh, I guess, uh, in the first round against Rodionov in the main draw and also some of the, uh, well, some of the sets against Seng, some of the sets against Mahaj, well, two sets, I think both sets against Mahaj were actually quite exceptional. Like, if he plays something like this, I think he can, just like Pear, he can definitely trouble Nori. Yeah. I think he has a good shot to win a couple of sets, even get this to five if he has legs. Um, and maybe even pull off the upset just because Nori has been like pretty up and down and I do like Pui's backhand a lot. And I do just sort of like his all-court game in general. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, just definitely like he can he can come to the net. He can finish points very easily. He's been hitting the serve plus one really well in the qualities from the matches that I saw. So I feel like he's... Uh, and then, and then he's in like a, just a much better headspace now, and he has absolutely no um, no expectations in this match, uh, at least from the general public. And because his story has already been so good so far, um, I hate to say like he has nothing to lose because there's always something to lose, you know. But uh, but I definitely think, yeah, I definitely think Pui has a pretty decent shot. I think they've played each other twice, and I want to say it's one one. I haven't checked that, but you know, it must be so long ago that it doesn't matter by now, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think they played once in 2021 when Pui was still oh, someone, but, you know, in the top yeah, 100, so like, 150. But he couldn't really, um, like, did he beat Nori back then? I don't know. No, he lost in four. I think it might, have, I think okay. it was in Wimbledon, actually. Yeah, I did, do not remember their matches really. Um, I can I can check that very quickly. Uh, yeah, Wimbledon 2021, four sets for Nori first round. Also, that's the Wimbledon yeah. when Nori played Federer later. 
Um, yeah, yeah I remember. Really I remember great. thinking that Nori had a very good throw there to reach Federer, you know, to just reach the third round. And then Puy won at the French, but 2018, that doesn't really matter. Of course, yeah. that was before the huge breakthrough of Nori. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime and anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus uh, max also um says have, have to rewind this live stream and see if we talked about how far medi can reach we haven't talked about him here because it's like the you know the daily show at the french uh, he hasn't played yet so Perhaps whoever is here tomorrow is going to talk about him. But just very briefly, we can say that uh, I think both of us were in the agreement that, uh, well, he has just such a good draw that even we, if we have some reservations about, you know, p- just picking Medvedev to reach every single final, every single semi on clay right now, uh, he just has such a good draw that you kind of have to have him in the quarters. Yeah. I mean, I have him in my final, but... I, I think I do mostly, too. Yeah. I think I, I think I do too. If I remember yeah. correctly, I think I have Alcaraz uh, Medvedev. So, so, um, but but like you know, the quarters is like an absolute must. Looking at his draw, frankly, like there's just no one other than Frank Thiago Sebovil. I still kind of believe. In, okay, I don't believe, but I think it is remotely possible. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I just think he has a draw good enough that he can get to the quarters. If he was to play my quarter finalist, Karatsev. I wouldn't be that certain because, like, if Karatsev is going to beat Tiafo, Zverev, and Sinner in a row, I think he's going to be so fired up that he might as well defeat Medvedev. But yeah, like, quarters seems like an absolute must right now, uh, frankly. So, um, yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, but there were like other five setters. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I think Schwartzman coming back from two sets to left down against Zapata Morales. Was a massive, much needed win for Diego. Uh, that was a huge boost. That great effort to win the last three sets. But I mean, I didn't get a chance to see them, but Diego just cruised through those, more or less. And then yeah, the key that's... game, I think, in the was when he was down two break points at three four. And once he got out of that game. And I mean, then he was just able to, then he started actually hitting his forehand a little bit better, more cleanly. The problem for Diego has been like, he can't just, he can't finish at all with his forehand anymore. Like, especially from the middle of the court. And he just has to work so hard to build points with, with that shot. I mean, the forehand always used to be, you know, somewhat obviously relative to other forehands diminished compared to backhands. But I think, uh, but I think he just lost total faith in that shot the last what seven or eight, nine months. But uh, in this match, he actually started going for more on it and started to push the Padre Morales around with it a bit more just to open up angles. And I think he did a pretty decent job of, job with that. Like, you know, I, I, he has a good chance of getting past Gorgeous, Gorgeous as well if he recovers and certainly winnable. To get to the thir- a third round of the French would be a good result for Diego right now, I think. Oh, would be an amazing run, at. I mean. Uh, you know, with, with yeah. the sort of form that he had this year, I mean, it, it would be amazing. I still think that if Zapata Mirales was like 100%, there's probably no way he would have won that today. Anyway, um, yeah, Borges is not unwinnable. Definitely not. Uh, I still 
can't really think that Schwartzman is just suddenly gonna you know wake up. Uh, maybe it's just the last few matches that I saw from him. You know how little threat there is in his baseline game right now, um, and um, yeah. for a player who was like always kind of punching above his weight, I think it could be a little tougher to return to the top. Uh, I would probably imagine that his path will be something like, I don't know, um, go to South America um, in a few months when he's out of the top 100, play a few challengers there. Probably didn't win them, at, don't win them at first, but then, you know, sort of play him, play himself back into form, and that would be um, that would be something that is that is pretty exciting. That that would be like a very natural path uh, for him, I think. But um, against Borges, of course, he can win. Um, Nuno was like choking so hard in the in the in the in the final set and in the third set against Eastnet. So it could be a very nervous yeah. match. They played this year, right, in Phoenix, and uh, Borges won seven five six three, if I remember correctly. But it was on hard courts, yeah. so um, it's also a little different. Um, Borges is definitely the better hard court player right now of the two clay courts. We will see. Uh, Ghosty is asking if if Diego's problems are mental. I mean, some of them definitely, right? Yeah, so, certainly a big part of it. Like, I mean, I don't want to say it's, I don't want to say out loud it's, it's a decline because I'm, I'm, I'm a big Schwartzman fan. Not, not like Jethro, but you know, certainly I have a soft spot for the guy. Um, but, but I, I it, it might be similar to kind of what Ferrer had in 2016. The only, the only thing with that is like Schwartzman is like 30, 31, but he had about three, four years of sort of peak tennis. I guess you could say maybe like two or three years where he was really, you know, at his very best. But I think ultimately when the game gets better and the depth is is better, which which it has, and your normal game is just a little bit off, like like it is with Diego, and you just don't have easy ways to win points, it, it can just be a brutal spiral, like, downwards. I think that's what we're kind of seeing with with uh, with Diego. So it's probably a confidence thing. And I think – but I, I certainly am not going to rule him out because all it takes is just one challenger win in South America, like you were saying, or just one, like, great run and could be – could be in the post-American, I mean, post-Wimbledon clay season, maybe, if he enters a couple of those tournaments, like Stad or Bastad. But those those have actually had some decent fields the last two, three years, too, so I'm not sure. Uh, but I think, yeah, and then his unforced error count has just been way too high in a lot of these matches. Um, like, you know, he used to be an absolute rock from the baseline, like when he was at his, his very best, and he kind of just isn't able to get that rhythm back any anymore. But but I could see, like, I, I think some people are losing a lot of hope in him um, from what I've just seen on Twitter. But I think uh, I wouldn't totally rule it out yet. Even, like, Ferrer had some few moments of resurgences in 2017 and 2018. Yeah. Before he Ferrer just had, had a much more modern game, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think they're like really comparable in terms of yeah, really just the, the ease of. I don't really, I don't really think they're they're comparable. Well, at least Ferrer sort of had some bread and butter plays, I guess. Yeah. Hand and his, um, like you know, his forehand was somewhat reliable weapon at some point. Yeah, like he, he was an attacking base liner. You know, he he was definitely yeah. not. Uh, the sort of defensive player that people sometimes tell, sometimes try to make him out to be. Uh, but yeah, with Schwartzman, it might be tougher because if it is really physical decline and it's like, I don't know, irreversible or something, then, you know, his style is just almost like purely based on that. And um, yeah, 
we're going to see. I, I do think that he will be competitive again. I just probably think that it's going to take, yeah, just maybe uh, him to hit rock bottom if he hasn't already and then rebuild something, maybe at the lower level. Uh, but yeah, for now, of course, he has a very winnable second round at the French. And that's also quite important for his ranking because he was in yeah. the fourth round last year. He actually made another comeback, right, against Munar? Uh, yeah, he did. I, Second round last yeah. year, two sets to love. So this is his third two sets to love comeback in his career, and all three have been at the French Open. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the biggest one obviously was the 2018 one against. Oh, John is showing it on the screen now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that 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 one against Munar, I remember, That's... because Munar just completely disappeared after the, <laughs> the first two sets. Uh, but uh, mm. of course, it led to Djokovic, to Schwartzman being in the fourth round playing Djokovic. Did he? Right? I think I think he did. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that that's why you know the, these points are actually pretty essential right now. He has defended forty five out of one hundred and eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, it still isn't yeah, really enough to keep past. him high, I don't right? See him but... getting past, I don't see him getting past Tsitsipas at all, for sure. Yeah, yeah, not not right now. He is still outside the top one hundred in the live rankings. Even if he wins one more round, he would be outside the top one hundred. So that kind of yeah. tells you. But, you know, it's Schwartzman. He could easily get, like, uh, wild cards in July to Bostad if he wants uh, or something like that. I actually think it would be better for him to get back to South America and play challengers, but we'll see. Um, I, assuming that he doesn't, like, reach the forefront here and isn't in the top 100, but um, that's kind of what we're assuming, right? I mean, Schwartzman, Tsitsipas, nah. Not, don't, don't really see it at this point in time. Um, thoughts on Felix Auger-Aliassim. What is wrong with him? I mean, Felix yeah. had a hamstring issue and also was sick last night. So, well, I wouldn't really look yeah. that much into this uh, performance. It was just an awful clay season for him. Not necessarily... Like, it wasn't necessarily his fault. Uh, the guy uh, is out for a while. He plays Madrid, loses just barely on a court he really likes to Lajovic, then loses Rome, in, in Rome uh, in the first round as well. Needs to look for some rhythm. And when he can get it in Lyon, he actually has to withdraw because of a shoulder problem. And then another thing yes. start coming up at the French. So basically, he was just super unlucky this clay season. On a surface, he never really liked uh, at the French. Remember, he also never did well. Um, well, he did he did well last year, but that was also after surviving a very tough opener against Varias when he was to set still of down. But he had uh, opening round losses to Seppi Nishioka in recent memory. So... Nothing really. I mean, the priority for him is just to be ready for grass and hard courts right now. If he's struggling there, it's going to be some sort of a concern. Um, Now, you know, he just wasted a part of the season that wasn't really his forte anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, honestly, uh, I wouldn't read that much into this just because, yeah, like for all the reasons that you said, and he also had a knee injury after, like in Miami and then, you know, was definitely struggling, like just hasn't really been fresh 100% physi- physically, I felt like that at points in Australia and during the year as well, because last year he played the most matches of anyone on the tour, 87. And uh, he just kept winning and winning and winning in the indoor season. And, you know, it just, and then his season finished very late with the Davis Cup. And I just feel like this is probably a good time for him to take a step back, get those injuries solved, and then be, re- be ready 100% for the grass. Where last year he lost in the first round to Cressy. Uh, and he probably wants to do way better than that this year where he's actually a contender, I think, at Wimbledon, if he gets himself in the right shape. So, yeah. And then, of course, he has many points to gain at the U.S. Open as well, where he's made semis before there. So I'm not that concerned about Felix. 
but hopefully his physical issues don't last uh, too much longer, you know, just because he was very much in the mix at, I think he got to number, number six is his career high, right, for Felix. So, I mean, that felt right last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, indoors, he was, at the end of the season, he was definitely in the top five, top four, um, easily. I Um, think eight of his 10 finals have come indoors. So he's very much an indoor player. At the same time, you know, he had good runs at the slums, right? We can't really say that it never happened. Maybe he wasn't really close to winning in any of them, but he had also that Australian Open when he was super close to beating Medvedev, I I suppose. So, yeah, it's not like he hasn't done it before. Um, It's just that right now it's not really working out, but um, that's mostly due to some external reasons rather than anything else. Um, when it comes to these finals that you mentioned, he has 13 finals and five of them were outdoors. Yes, so eight, five, eight five outdoors because he had the two on clay as well. And then, yeah, yeah, uh, at the beginning, uh, Rio, Lyon, and then um, in in Australia yeah. there was a one 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 final hard court as well. Actually, pretty surprising. Like I like if you asked me that question I, and I had time to think, I probably would have known that. But like the fact that he still hasn't made a thousand finals also kind of telling too. Yeah. I suppose I think, yeah, he's he's four and four and nine. I mean that's not that's not terrible because last year he did win four out of five finals that he was in. So I guess yeah, for for him that was always the biggest question. Like, is he gonna when is he gonna win that first title? And he, he did it last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's only but, had two semifinals at the ATP thousand level, losing to Isner in Miami 2019 yes. and also to um well to Rune, who like everyone in Paris last year. But uh that's also that also like doesn't really tell the full story because between Madrid and Indian Wells, he made six consecutive quarterfinals at the ATP thousand yeah. level. So that's that's a pretty crazy stat as well. Um pretty sure no one yeah. had this this sort of consistency in that in that exact uh time frame. Um anyway, um uh, Actually, like uh, I was, I was also thinking about this today that we have so many players struggling physically, um, like just right now in this slam. We've got someone like you know Yun Cheng Shang, who later said that he had mono recent recently, but he like has is just unable to play after the first two sets. Zapata Miralesh has some awful moments against Schwartzman. We have Draper retiring today. Yep. We have Ojeral Yassim. We have Vavrinka, who was barely walking in the fourth set, eventually winning. We have Christopher O'Connell, who was um, also injured and, like, yeah, barely was able to play against Tarotaniel. We've had Korya struggling, of course. He was also out recently. We've had Medjerovic, uh, also who had some terrible moments today. Uh, Lajovic retired. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe it's just how taxing tennis is right now as a sport, but... Yeah, um, maybe another thing with well. the two-week misters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, Iga, I thought made, I thought Fiontek made a very good point when she said that, you know, these two-week masters are not necessarily, uh, you know, easier physically because your days off, you're still working really hard and you're trying to get yourself in shape and ready. And if you're going mm-hmm. deep in a lot of these tournaments, as well as I, I think that there has been a trend of more arm and elbow and shoulder injuries in general and wrist we just look like there's a lot of uh, also, also about the balls, right? Like a lot of people have said yeah, that, that it's because of the balls. balls. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the balls. Like I think Medvedev mentioned that in February, and I think he has a point because I mean, you yeah. look at Sitsipas, Medvedev. You look at I mean, Brooksby and uh, Korda, for example, their wrists, and then a lot of arm injuries, right? Like just. I feel like it's very much the talk of this season. A couple of years ago, it was the abdominal injury, and now this year, it's definitely the arm. 
Yeah, but maybe uh, yes. um, let's talk about um, Carlos Alcaraz. You know, he played today uh, his first yeah. match in Paris this year. Um, did we learn anything from this? And actually, I think we can sort of combine him with Novak Djokovic. I mean, they are the two main favorites. Yeah. They both played today. They were like similarly comfortable where the first two sets were just throwaways. And then in the third, actually something started happening. You know, there was some action. I think both of them even didn't serve out the match on the first time of asking. And yeah, like, did we learn anything about Djokovic's form? Did we learn anything about Alcaraz's form? Uh, is there anything that, that we can really take away from these matches? Or were they just, you know, too simple for them to, for, for, you know, to give us any intel? No, I think it was the classic sort of like first first round where like the first two sets, like you said, were, you know, very straightforward, not much resistance from the opposition. And then in the third set, when they had to close out the match, they were just, you know, they got they both got tight uh, and lost their serves. But I don't think uh, there's too much to read into it. I think with Djokovic, uh, his, he definitely looks healthier than he did in Rome. Like, uh, you know, he, I think he said that before the tournament that he doesn't have as many physical, he's not really, doesn't have any physical issues. We'll see if that holds up. But it certainly looked like he was hitting his forehand much more freer and uh, going after it a lot more. I think the ages were up as well. Uh, and he did hit a couple serves in the 130s that I noticed. So uh, I think uh, I think it's looking good for both of them. Uh, Alcaraz also had a mini little dip when he was serving for it at 5-4, but then immediately got the break right back. Didn't even need a tie break. Uh, I think you got the exact number of games right for Kaboli versus Alcaraz. So well done, uh, there with seven. <laughs> I mean, someone commented that, but uh, you know, it, it, of course, it's just super yeah. random. I didn't, and... I didn't go back and verify. I think yeah, it, it could have easily. I think I literally said what the guy commented, just like six, seven, eight, like something like this. But of course, yeah. it's not really tough. Like you know, the, I maybe figured yeah. it would be more like two, two, and three, or something like this. Not necessarily two love and uh, I mean two zero and five. But yeah, I, I also don't think there was really much to be learned. Djokovic looked healthy, um, for sure. Otherwise, Kovacevic, I think, had just a terrible matchup for him today, uh, especially with the way uh, he can't... Like, when he's hitting through his topspin backhand, it doesn't really get the required depth. And for two sets, Djokovic was just... Like, whenever he had a forehand, he was just killing the points in two or three shots uh, on his serve even yeah. quicker. And it's just um, a, a nightmare for Kovacevic, I think, on clay especially, because he cannot use that slice to bail himself out. This is something that he has improved so much this year. You know, this is how he beat, for example, Ibing Wu in Dallas, uh, or was it Dallas? You know, the, the challenger final that they played, uh, where suddenly he just started slowing things down, recovering. Oh, yeah, it just Dallas. Yeah, yeah and, and here he cannot do that. He just cannot do that. He he cannot uh, play a defensive slice because then Djokovic is just going to um, fire either inside out forehand, inside in forehand. You know he's just gonna he's just gonna keep himself keep, keep him guessing with the placement as well, and it's not gonna end great. And um, I think he was really battling against this a lot. Uh, and the first two sets, I know it's six six three and six two, but they easily could have been like Alcaraz six uh, two and six love. Yeah. And then the first set, I thought, got a bit more complicated. It got windy. Uh, Djokovic wasn't handling it that well. But of course, um, it's nothing really it's scary. He still got the three-set win in, at the end. Uh, Alcaraz was like playing a bit weird in terms of shot selection in the in the at the end of the third set. He suddenly yeah. started like serving volleying after pretty weak serves, and yeah, just making a lot of wrong choices. I again, I don't really think that matters. Um, both guys were were like 
just comfortably in. Um, we're probably not going to learn much about Alcaraz until like fourth round quarters. And actually, we might learn more about Djokovic, I think, against Martin Fucovic, just because of how competitive this matchup yes. has always been. Uh, and we will definitely learn a lot about Djokovic when he plays uh, Davidovic Fokina, if Davidovic Fokina beats Luka Vanash. But Alcaraz, we might actually not have a test for him until like the fourth round or something. Uh, who, who can he play in the fourth round? Yeah. Because I know in the second it's Daniel, then in the third round it's uh, Chapo yeah, or um, Arnaldi. And in the fourth round? Musetti ah, Musetti. Oh, yeah, okay. So we, we can actually learn something in the forefront, I think. Musetti, Shevchenko, or whoever. Yeah, we can learn something in the forefront again. Uh, against or Nori or even Pui. We'll <laughs> oh, Nori and Pui. Um, that's, that's the section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then we can definitely, like, what, uh, whichever of these four opponents, I think, Musetti, Shevchenko, um, Pui, Nori, we will definitely actually have something to analyze there. But in the first three rounds, probably not. Something I just realized just uh, just now. I don't think Djokovic has ever lost at the, at Roland Garros a completed match against someone who is a righty and has a two-handed backhand. <laughs> That's like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm laughing because it, it, it's like not very far of like uh, these very you know very specific stats. Like Djokovic has never lost on a day when he hasn't had a cup of tea, coffee before 10 a.m. or something like that. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, righty, I mean, uh, righty to Hender. Um, yeah, who did he lose to at the French? Uh, Nadal, of course. Meltzer, also a lefty. Um, yeah, and then all of his Gabrinka, other losses to righties have been against Henders. Vavrinka, one yeah, hander, right? Because Schreiber, 2009. Cole yeah, Schreiber, Schreiber yeah, 2009. Three sets. Federer, 11. <laughs> Somehow. Federer in 2011, and then Vavrinka, 2015. Uh, and then team twice, 2017, 2019. Cecchinato, 2018. yeah, Cecchinato. So, and then all the others, like eight of those 16 losses are to Nadal. And, and then so you're just... And then 2005, Korea, but he didn't finish that match. That was not completed because he Oh, that's why he said not and, completed, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and 2017, he lost to Nadal, and 2008, he lost to Nadal. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 6 through 8 is all Rafa. So, um, there you go. Yeah, I don't think you can really uh, read that much into it either. Um, it's kind of funny that he's only losing to one handers or lefties, but <laughs> he didn't lose to a lefty. Yeah, with I do want to play though. I mean, they can get it up higher on his backhand, and he's maybe not as comfortable. You know, when the ball gets up super high and he's like, it's, it might be a little bit of an advantage if you're a one-hander on clay and you have a good way. Unless, of course, you know, you just leave everything short. Like, there's a chance for that as well. Like, you can just hit floating slices like the way um, <laughs> this guy was doing today, Kovacevic. And then you're just, you know, you're at the mercy of Djokovic's forehand. But there can be other times where, like, you know, like the, the variation and the, the height of the bounce and... Just because if you're a one-hander, you can also hit it generally faster. Your MPHs are generally more. So I think, you know, you might you might have a power and variety quotient there that could make life a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. No, no, I'm just I'm just laughing at the idea that um, Djokovic could lose to a lefty one-hander now because there just aren't that many, right? It would have oh, to yeah. be Feli Lopez, Shapovalov, of course. It would have to be Shapovalov, yeah. Shapovalov is the is the main uh, main one, I suppose. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to see all this um, hype about Shevchenko in the chat. Um, he's definitely also one of my yeah, favorites well, and that, that energy is, is fantastic. He's also like one of the few players I, I managed to like um, 
you know, develop a relationship is too strong, but like uh, we actually talked a few times at, at the events and, and yeah, he's just super cool. So um, I also root for him um, a lot, frankly. And um, I even um, once made a fool of myself uh, talking to him drunk, <laughs> but you know, he's cool. So nothing, nothing really matters. It was like a player's party at the, at the challenger and I got way too drunk. And, um, you know, that gave me courage to like, uh, you know, come up to players do stupid stuff but anyway uh let's not talk about my drunk efforts um and um let's talk about the french open uh yes what else do we have um karatsev beat popperin i don't know if you need to talk about that but uh, i'm glad that it happened because if karatsev lost to popperin like we wouldn't even see if it's possible that he's gonna make this this you know huge run beating tiafos very i've in a row if he loses to tiafos i'm gonna say okay fair play uh he lost to tiafos fine but if he like lost to popperin i would be so disappointed that we didn't even see whether he is actually capable of this so from that perspective i'm certainly quite glad tiago tirante won his first um run, first grand slam match in his debut which was of course quite huge for yeah, the former I'm just trying to imagine damian I'm trying to imagine damian drunk <laughs> uh yes john so uh, my uh, drunk efforts in bonn absolutely um and uh well I think I did okay. I woke up one night at 6 a.m. on the couch. Then at 9 a.m. we had a stream already. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was quite fun. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe I'll go back and look at that one. No, I'm kidding. No, I mean I'm just uh, I just read what Matthew said, and um, I'm I'm sorry if I if I um, you know um, said anything that you felt was disrespectful. But um, well, that was just a one-time thing, really. Um, not everyone was drunk. Just to be clear, uh, the players who played the next day did not drink. Just to be clear, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, Fun story, but remember not to uh, not to drink too much, especially when you're in an environment like that. I think I still uh, left it like without scars, but uh, it's not necessarily the, the the right thing. I, for example, came up to uh, Jerzy Janowicz and uh, asked him if he would shake my hand, and I did it in English. Uh, I don't even uh, remember that. Just people told me that I did that, and he said no. <laughs> so Janowicz. Uh, no, Jerzyanovich. Oh, uh, Jerzyanovich, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Jerzyanovich. And I asked him that in English for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why. Uh, hopefully he does not remember that. But um, yeah, anyway. Let, oh, maybe he's not going to play anymore, you know, and it doesn't really matter. And I'm never going to see him again. Then I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. Uh, but anyway. Um, let's let's stop with the drunk anecdotes right now. I really don't have that many either. Um, so, you know, I kind of have to stop um, right now. 
anyway, uh, what else did we have today? Uh, Sinner, as we as we thought, was of course the last match of the day, and this is why we're meeting right now, right? The, when the last ball drops, and uh, we uh, it it was not competitive, just as we thought. <laughs> was it yesterday that yeah. I said that it would like shake my worldview if uh, if Alexander Miller won this match? Yeah, I, I think so. So consider my worldview still not shaken by this. Um, I was kind of disappointed with Majedovic, not going to lie. Um, the, the the crazy scoreline against Giron, I did not see the first set. I, I watched it from the second. And, well, he was not all right physically, that's one thing. But he's kind of always not all right physically, you know, with the, with the fitness that he has. He is still a player who can actually counteract that, you know, with just a sheer brutality of his game. But he only really had one set when everything was clicking for him and the rest was just really... Yeah. Um, quite awful, so um, not too not too happy about that performance, frankly, from the youngster. We had Dominic Team almost pull off a comeback. I think that was probably one of the biggest stories as well. Um, you know, for me, for me personally, I didn't have high expectations. I kind of started treating both Team and Kachin as like very same level players, just average middle of the road clay quarters at least this clay season. I think so. Um, yeah, not not really that surprised with it. Um, anything else? Uh, you had Struff going out six one in the fifth to the Hedgehog. Um, yeah, that was that was a match that I certainly thought Struff would win, but it was. Ah, oh, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, but six one in the fifth is a bit brutal. I must say, um, not super shocking, but I, I just thought with the with the form they'd both been in, that Truth would go in as a favorite. Um, oh, he did, he did go in as a favorite, yeah. but <laughs> didn't maybe capitalize yeah, on that was uh, was fine physically though, which was like a pretty big takeaway given the fact that just a couple of weeks ago he retired in Turin. Uh, but yeah, of course, like we've said it many times, uh, Struff is not going to be a consistent force on the tour, but uh, that doesn't take away from his peak level. But yeah, nothing really crazy there, I suppose. Can Lehechka beat Giron? Of course he can, but you know, he, he has actually added a certain degree of uh, regulation, I would say, to his game. So I would think that he probably does that. Um, and what do you think, by the way, because I've had some comments today on Twitter, I posted this photo of Kasper Ruth's section. Do you feel like there, like, there are any threats in there or is like uh, Ruth guaranteed to make the quarters? Um, you know, we, we have so many explosive players in that section that I feel like every single one of them will have like at least an outside chance against him. Yeah, uh, like Lajovic going out uh, to Zhang. So you have him, you have, I mean, Botic went out to Toronto. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, if if you're in if you're Casper Rude, you're probably a little ha- happy about that, right? Uh, but Lahechka, Garon, I mean, I could see Lahechka in there. I could maybe see Yar- Jari, but then again, Jari is a little bit. He's obviously better suited to the altitude clay. Um, Tommy Paul, I'm not super high on right now. It's only won one match in the clay season. And I don't think the forehand is does no, damage. No, we won plenty more um, in Aix-en-Provence. Yeah, I mean, I went on the main tour. Obviously, the Aix-en-Provence got to very the disappointing. Very <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
did he have any good wins there? I mean, he made good no. fun. No, was, his draw was his draw was really easy, but still, it was, um, it was a piece of cake to the final. Statements like that do not go do not sit, do not sit right <laughs> with me. <laughs> um, I mean, Bublik? Question mark against Rude. Yeah, I would like to see it, right? And like even Zhang then maybe playing Rude and then potentially someone like um uh, yeah, Jari or Lehechka. Like all of these just have that sort of explosive quality. They can come out and hit the paint all the lines. And that's why I feel all of these matches will have at least some sort of degree of uncertainty to them. Um, I've had a few comments, especially from one guy who just said that it's uh, he's just frustrated with Ruth getting a cakewalk every single time. I think that someone like Medvedev here, for example, or Djokovic, they have very similar draws. Maybe Djokovic yeah. has like the more yeah. one big real threat in Davidovic Fokina, who is probably stronger or maybe maybe like similarly strong to maybe like Jari or yeah, maybe Jari. Uh, but uh, he is, yeah, just stronger than the, the threats that Rude has. But I think Rude has more of them potentially. And uh, Medvedev, until the quarters, does he really have any threats? Not really. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that the contrast between Rude's draw here and Djokovic's and Medvedev's is really that high. And I'm actually personally very excited for this uh, for this little section of Rude where, uh, yeah, just a lot a lot of the players that I like watching are there. And I think most of them, if they actually have a good day against him, they could trouble Root. Don't know if Elias Immer counts uh, in that group, but yeah, Bublik, Zhang. If he if he needs to play something like Bublik, Zhang, Jari, I think it's like guaranteed that at least one of these players will make him work for it. Um, not sure which one. Not sure which one will actually have a good. Uh, yeah, we'll just peek uh, on the on the specific day, but certainly. Um, anyway, we've been going on for like an hour, so I guess this is maybe where we uh, can pick our favorite match again and then talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. That would be, I guess, um, yeah, that would yeah. be, I guess, the, the idea now. Uh, I mean, today is, yeah, I mean, I think that's about it. You obviously had Shapovalov coming through in five against uh, Nakashima. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit disappointed in the game that Nakashima played in the fifth set, where he just kind of hadn't hit the break over to Chapo. Uh I didn't I didn't think he would be the one to blink first, especially after winning the third and fourth. Uh yeah, he he hit a double fault and then three forehand on four stars in that game. And kind of the forehand is the shot that lets Brendan down a lot of the times. But uh that was a good win, obviously, for Dennis, because he was not the favorite going in. Actually, the odds had Brendan. Um but yeah, uh, do you think he'll beat Arnaldi in the second round? No. (laughs) Very clear, very, very quick. I don't think it's that clear, you know, but um, I mean, I gotta treat Arnaldi as a better clay clay player at this point. I don't know if Arnaldi is like smart enough about his tennis yet. Uh, I think some, uh, in some ways, the fact that he actually has a very heavy forehand right now is still new to him. And I kind of wonder if against Shapovalov, where someone you kind of have to let him play as well, you kind of let him have to hit, uh, let him... um, well, let him, let him, he, Jesus, that, that's not, that's not a sentence that I can say. Anyway, uh, like you kind of have to let him just, yeah, play balls himself and that's just maybe allow him to, oh, allow him. That, that's what I was looking for. Allow him to hit himself off the court. Uh, so maybe, uh, maybe that's something that Arnaldi could struggle with, finding that good balance. 
but just in terms of uh, clay skill, I kind of have to think that Arnaldi is probably the better player right now. Also with his, uh, yeah, just the fact that he's had so much more match practice and Shapovalov never really doing, doing well at the French. Um, but um, it, it's not like he cannot do it. Um, yeah, so maybe what what was your favorite match of the day today? Mm. See, I thought it would be Fis and Davidovich Fokina, but didn't quite uh-huh. live up to the hype. So maybe maybe I'll just go with the pair and Nori again. I'll go with that one. Why not? Totally get it. That's also my pick. Uh, even on that stream earlier that I did with, well, first by myself and then with Jack, I remember already saying that um, if... Um, well, that pair Nori is probably going to be my match of the day. And yeah, I'm sticking with it too. Yeah. I think Fils Davidovich Fokina was fine. Um, maybe I wasn't... Like, I was really hyped for it in terms of the entertainment value, aesthetic pleasure, it and that delivered, I think. It's just that I never really yeah. felt that would be that, that competitive. So maybe that's why I wasn't really disappointed. And um, yeah, outside of outside of one set, maybe it really wasn't close. It's, it's a pretty terrible matchup for Fils, but I'm glad he got that one set. Because it could have been like if uh, what happened in the first set just continued over three sets, um, you know, mentally maybe it would have been it wouldn't have been that great for him. But yeah, he's gonna come back stronger. And um, anyway, Stanimal was the best match, says Matthew. And yeah, certainly that's a that's a fine choice as well. Um, Stan ba- basically dead in the fourth set, then almost blowing well blowing the third set with many leads, then almost blowing the fifth set as well. That was that was quite wild. A uh, huge win for him. Finally, he gets a win when he's when he was close to blowing it because most of the time this clay season it was actually the other way around, right? Uh, but but thankfully, right now it's uh, it just turned out completely different. And there's actually a pretty interesting second round match there, right? Vavrinka Kokinakis. They haven't played yet, which means they also haven't played since Ooh. Kokinakis banged your girlfriend. Sorry to tell you that, mate. Yeah. Oh, they haven't played since. Have they ever played before? No. This is their first meeting, right? Okay. Yes, they actually played in doubles, though. I don't know if to count it or not. I I, I can't be racist to doubles, I I gotta say. I I, I will stop you when you actually uh, try to not include challenger matches. When you start not including doubles matches, I think I I won't really be that... um, uh, well, I, 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 it just—it's not that clear that we should include them for me. Let's say that. But yeah, they played in Brisbane, 2017, when Kokinakis Thompson beat Pui Vavrinka 11-9. So they have played since, but only in doubles. Um, eh, I don't know. Maybe it just makes it a little more spicy. But it's a fun second round anyway. Um, I think Kokinakis yeah. will likely take it. Just, just seeing Stanis, uh, Vavrinka's fitness today, I think that Kokinakis will will make it. Yeah. Mm, anyway, um, yeah, let's maybe talk about what's going to happen tomorrow then and wrap up the show this way, just like we did yesterday. Um, sure. Yeah, some of the some of the some of the most exciting matchups for you today. Uh, sorry, tomorrow, of course. Um, I mean, Tiago Sabot Wild and Medvedev. Just curious to see how much Wild can push Medvedev. So that one definitely. Um. Baez one feast could be interesting, but you know we'll we'll definitely be tuning in for a little bit of that since it's later in the day. For me, uh, what what else is kind of interesting? Let's see. Mm. 
Runa Eubanks, just for the contrast of style. I don't see it. Or, like, I don't, you know, when, when, it. I don't see it. He's just going to neutralize that serve so much. Runa might, might might be one of the best returners on tour, I think, right now. And yeah, I don't see it. Azarenka and Rescue just want like to see who is going to come out in that sec in that batch. And that's like similar to Pliskova Stevens in a way, right? Yeah, I, um, I guess so. But you don't have names. You don't have as much. Names, as much as I, I don't know. Ah, BB okay, yeah, yeah. More, that, that's true. Is, yeah, BB is just more interesting to to watch in general than both those other players. So I can uh, always tune in for an interesting match, certainly. What else? Mm. Paul versus Stricker. That sounds like a good match. You know I'm watching that, definitely. Yeah. What else is going to be good? I feel like JJ Wolf is going to beat Nishioka. That's who I would lean towards, but it's not, you know, it's not a very confident selection. But he's been good enough on the clay in the past month that that it, it looks like a real possibility, yes. What about Munar versus Sarandolo? Could you see that being like a grindy five-set match? Uh, you could. Um, Munar hasn't been in great form. Uh, this year when they played, Sarandolo just smashed him off the court. I don't think this is going to happen again, but like I would say that he is the, a pretty reasonable favorite. Kind of wonder if Masarova against Goff could be competitive. She has had some very fine moments this year, Masarova. Yeah. Um, of course, she lost to her in Auckland in the final, like 6-1, 6-1, which um, was a bit harsh, I think. I'm not sure it's like something that will happen again. Uh, Masarov, I guess it doesn't really matter for her, like what surface she's playing on. I guess for Goff, it would be better to play her at the French. But I don't know. That, that 6-1-6-1 just kind of seems too harsh on her. But um, we'll see about that. Uh, I think Tsurenko Krejcikova, we mentioned that, uh, or maybe it was another show, I can't remember, that when it comes to the um, tennis abstract ELO rankings, they are like very similar to each other. and It's like a 50-50 according to ELO, which... Mm. Sounds extremely weird, but who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, I, I don't think there are that many um, huge matches tomorrow. I think uh, maybe I, I would like to check out how Fiona Ferro will do. Uh, she is one of these qualifiers, like maybe along with Tosin for me, where, uh, you know, they, they just could have done so much more if not for the injuries. And um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to see if she's already there or not. Kalinina against Pari could be good too. Um, Pari yeah. has picked up her form a little bit. Oh, I also have to answer that um, pop, quivia tr tr qu pop trivia question from uh, Ghosty, of course. Donna Vekic was Stan's girlfriend at the time. Yeah. He left her for, um, he left her, his wife for her. And uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't go that well. Uh, yeah. But it, it is a bit of a crazy story for sure with Vekic being, being just like 18 back then or something. Um, yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Selena Gomez. Yeah, I mean, the... <laughs> what was I gonna say? Uh, what, what's another match? Oh yeah, no, I really wanted to see how Jabor looks. That was the other one. Jabor against Bronzetti. Okay, Bronzetti yeah. just won Rabat naturally. Yeah, so. that's why. Yeah, and uh, Jabor obviously has some question marks with her 
fitness, but yeah, I would love to see her play Ribokina in the quarters. That's a matchup I really want to see. That's yeah. really far away, I think. I know. Uh, less so for Rybakina because as we as we talked yeah. about, I mean she she has a pretty good draw, but um, well, uh, Jaber in the quarters. Let me see. At, let me look at her section. Maybe uh, Danilovic or Danilovic or Kirstea in the third round. I think if if I remember correctly, I would have had um, in the quarters. I would have had Kirstea out of all this. Yeah, I had Kirstea as well. Yeah. I am interested to see what Danilovic can do, though, because while I haven't really watched much of this run, uh, she recently won that ITF in Madrid, which was actually yeah. like pretty stacked. You know, Zawadzka, Solibestormo in the final, and uh, of course qualified for the French Open, and she's like barely losing games in all of these matches. Uh, so I, I am excited to see if that actually continues. Uh, she is playing Bindle, so the former... Um, Bindle is what Kozlova, or I think Kozlova. Um, I always mix up these, um, you know, players who have changed their name to to their husbands. Unless it's unless it's like a tennis player, then then maybe there, it's easier to make a connection. But I think it's Kozlova, and uh, she is apparently a massive favorite according to the bookies. Um, Danilovic, which probably comes from this streak and also from the fact that Bindle hasn't won a match since the Australian Open. And um, I guess this should be easy for her. And then, like, Danilovic Kirstea, that would be already a pretty huge match. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Matthew, I just I just wanted to say that the heart uh, know, you know, knows where it wants or whatever. How does the saying go? Heart wants what it wants? Yeah. Hearts want, um, heart wants what it wants. And it was referring to um that thing um matthew is very angry at me today i'm not sure if if that's maybe uh still the the drunken story or um or now my um english shortcomings but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe he, maybe he's actually not that serious given his emojis yeah. right now hopefully not um i i would hate it if uh, if matthew is um uh yeah displeased with with something i said um, I definitely did know, uh, didn't know um, the Selena, Selena Gomez song you uh, remember you mentioned. I just thought oh, it's like a, you know, I thought that's what you were saying. referring. I thought that's what no. You I, I was just referring. I think it's a saying, right? Um, okay. I don't think Selena yeah. Gomez came up with it. So no, no, um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I didn't actually know the the song. I probably can't name a single Selena Gomez song. Um, but I can name most of the songs that Max is referring to in the chat, as Ghosty said. She is usually referring to like more, um, well, just uh, songs that are maybe a bit more uh, in my time, <laughs> even though um, I'm, of course, uh, not that old yet. Anyway, um, do we have anything else that we need to talk about? Everyone is waiting for that Mpechi Pericard Olivieri round one. Uh, not really, but I am excited to see how it will look uh, for sure. And yeah, Saipovit Medvedev, I, I I lost hope when it comes to this matchup. I lost hope that it will be actually um, that, that the Brazilian has a chance to win, but I am excited to see how close he can get it. Hopefully. Um, at least a bit close so that it's an entertaining watch because like Kovacevic Djokovic for example today was not entertaining at all yeah and uh, and I would I would hate to see that I, I at least want some emotions uh, I at least want some drama no I figured Matthew I'm I'm, I'm also kind of uh, not serious with uh, with this stuff 
uh, would be would be like a very sharp turn of character for you if you just started um, suddenly uh, being serious with these sort of uh, remarks. I think so. Actually, um, think one more one more matchup for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Barrer might be a problem for Rusobori. Uh, yeah, but is that relevant? <laughs> uh, why do you think he could be a problem? Well, he's just been taking the ball a lot earlier. He has some big wins. He beat Hachinov in, uh, in Rome. Was it Rome where he beat Hachinov? Rome. I think it was Rome. Yeah. Yes, it was Rome where he beat Hachinov. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, he he tends to do better in like the indoor events, maybe. Um, but he has some big wins on clay so far. Although he's the one match that I was talking about where Tommy Paul actually won. <laughs> but and at the um... tournament. Yeah, I mean, he only played one challenger, I think, this spring and, and lost in the first round to Fields. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get what you mean. I mean, Barrer sucks on clay, but at the same time, he has scored a few good wins this year, so yeah, yes. he doesn't like completely suck. Of course, his playstyle yeah. is not really clay suited, um, no. Uh, but um, th- there is like a slight concern for me with Rusevori because his level this clay court s- season has been excellent. But at the same time, he uh, ran into some very tough draws like Alcaraz in the second round in Madrid, Medvedev yeah. in the se- in the second yeah, round in Rome. Rusevori is either lost to the finalist or the eventual winner. Like exactly, and like that's. Does that actually mean that he got the necessary rhythm, that he got the necessary much practice? Is he just that much better than Barrer that it's not going to matter anyway? That's kind of what I seem to yeah. think. But I also remember Barrer making an upset last year in the opening round at um, the French, uh, winning against Taro Daniel in five sets. And he was like playing some super inspired tennis in front of the crowd. Yeah. This is something that we've been uh, witnessing from a lot of Frenchmen the past week or so. So um, maybe if that becomes a factor, but it's always kind of hard to judge if it will. Yeah, of course. Um, yes. Um, so I guess this is where we're going to be taking this to the end. The night match tomorrow is Monfis and Baez. Also quite interesting. Can it be competitive? Oh, in the long run, I don't think so, but that would be another match where maybe the Frenchman can pull out some magic in front of the crowd. And um, this will be the match that when it finishes, you're going to get this show. I have no clue who's going to be on it. Maybe it's me. <laughs> but uh, we're going we're gonna to figure this out, uh, of course, later. And, and um, tomorrow, you're, you're definitely going to have it. So, uh, Jane, I think earlier you said that you're always late for these. So if you don't want to be late for these, uh, at least this week during the French Open, and uh, maybe also... Well, this week until the until the forefront, maybe also during the quarters, this show is just going to be there every single time. Right after the last match, the night match on Philippe Chatrier is over. So uh, if you don't want to be late, that's uh, that's one option. The other, of course, is to hit the not- notification bell. But I am actually pretty sure that, Jane, you have the notification bell on. So um, I don't think I, I need to tell you that. Um, yeah, any last thoughts? Anything that you wanted to add? I think that's it. Fantastic. Um, I think uh, this was probably similar similar in length to the one to the show that we did yesterday. Uh, we'll see what the other guys do with it. Uh, we'll see who is here tomorrow. Uh, any, anyhow, thanks for commenting. Thanks for watching the streams. And uh, yeah, there's probably going to be some watch-alongs as well. 
so make sure to tune into that. The best way, of course, is to subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, also, you can become a member. Uh, John said that there's going to be more member-only content coming. So, um, you know, if you want to. I know there's like one 10-minute um, talk on Nicolas Jari somewhere in the member-only content um, sort of, sort of um, folders or whatever. I, I'm not sure how many uh, things are actually there, but I, I know one of them is is my, my talk with John about Jari. So uh, you can still check check that out. It was about Santiago, but you know, some of that may, may still be relevant. Anyway, uh, thanks, guys. Um, maybe, maybe there's going to be a drunk stream ghosty someday, but um, I don't know. People do that, but it's more more on Twitch, right? On YouTube, I think maybe you get banned or something, yeah. and we wouldn't really want that. I don't think it's worth it uh, to see me drunk. Yeah, and these days, we'll have, a, we'll have a talking tennis party, and we'll all get drunk. Yeah, we sort of we sort of had a a, a talk like this. Um, I think in, when we were in Bonn with Mario and John, yeah. uh, where uh, Nick and um, Nick and someone joined, but we had some uh, weird internet issues, and it wasn't on the stream. Actually, we were still using Streamyard, but it wasn't on the stream, and we were we were drinking something. But um, I think we had some major internet issues, and the guys just locked out after a while. Anyway, um, thankfully we did we did not have any major internet issues on the streams in Bonn. We didn't have them either. Is John there on the stream? Is he what? Is he like sleeping or something? I don't know. Um, I guess this means that I will probably have to turn off the stream uh, because he really seems to be asleep, right? Is that also how you how you read this? Mm, when was his last comment? I think. No, I think he. I mean, he commented eight minutes ago. So he yeah, but you can see you can see him on the camera, right? And he's not moving. I, I hope he's not. No, you you don't see him. At the bottom of the at the bottom of these uh, oh maybe maybe I see it because I'm I, I'm like an admin or something are you an admin yeah as well? I don't think I'm an admin so uh, maybe, maybe you don't see him that for that reason um, no. okay never mind then um, I, I I can't uh, you know I I think I see his camera and I think he might be sleeping but anyway <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's stop there then um, I'm gonna just end the broadcast myself if that's the case and uh, see you guys on some other shows. Sure. Yes, Ghosty, he's not moving, but I, I, I hope that he's fine. <laughs> Maybe the camera just froze, you know. Uh, I, I can't really tell if it froze or not because there's nothing moving in his in his room. So, <laughs> but I, I you hope have the outro fine. memorized. Uh, come again? You have the outro memorized by now? Um, no, no, definitely not. Uh, if you enjoyed this video, subscribe <laughs> and click that notification bell. So you don't miss out on all things tennis. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. I actually think I, I can I can uh, find it actually. And uh, but right now, after you said it, I don't think we really need it, right? From John anymore. I mean, Vance yeah, just basically whatever. What John is really like, um, like what is he useful for? Right. <laughs> I mean, we can do this by ourselves. You know the outro by now. I can end the broadcast. I'm an admin. Anyway, I mean, John is our recruiter. I mean, he's the yeah, that's true. He's the he's the yeah. father of the family. He's the, he's the one yeah. who um, is the brain behind the whole operation. We're just his minions. Anyway, uh, I'm there gonna play go. that video. I'm gonna play that video for you guys, and then we're gonna end the stream. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on. 
all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.